As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. to Power Hour, the Athletics Tuesday National College Football Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Nicole Auerbach. I am thrilled, as always, to be joined by my friend and colleague, Michael Felder, from Stadium this week, and we are going to break down the biggest storylines in college football this week in an hour or less, and honestly, this week, it's mostly ranting, with a little bit of semifinal preview, but it's going to be a lot of ranting. So if you enjoy this podcast, you probably do enjoy rants. So be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the Andy Staples and Friends show. Five stars, because much like your favorite recruits, we want to make an immediate impact. And and Felder, we, we got to get into this. It was a frustrating weekend for those of us who love college football and love the little guys and love the Coastal Carolinas and the Cincinnati's and Indiana and these programs that are not just Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State, it was frustrating. It was, there was, you know, logic that was applied that I don't even think qualifies as logic for ranking things. There was this, you know, just total exclusion of teams that had great seasons, totally devalued, excluded from the New Year's Six. I I was just overwhelmed by my frustration this weekend what, what was your did, did you feel it too or what was your reaction I guess I guess it was more I'm still I'm still heated about this I'm still really like processing this Sunday was a really frustrating day for me and see Sunday Sunday felt man I was I was I was what's his name Lionel um dang easy like Sunday morning I felt good because <laughs> Well, yes, the season, we made it to the end of the season. Well, but it's all—it's that, but it's also when you know it's coming, you are already ready for it. And, I mean, look at, look at like, kind of read the tea leaves, right? Um, where we see Iowa State jump up ahead of everyone. So just, just in, Iowa State was a just-in-case, right? And then we see Florida not move down very far. That's a just-in-case. And so I I was it, literally easy like Sunday morning. I was ready to rock and roll because I knew what was gonna what was gonna happen. And I'll go so far as I listen. I'll 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 part the kimono, if you will. I'll peel back the curtain. And I shot stuff for Bama for 
um, Ohio State, and then I also shot stuff for, and then I also pulled footage, which I just shot for Monday morning, but I also pulled footage for Clemson, Notre Dame, and Texas A&M, and A&M was my just-in-case. We didn't do footage for Cincy. We didn't do footage for Coastal because I, like, that's where my mind is, and maybe you can call me a cynic or what have well, you. Well, no, I mean, I, I, I think I think it's fine that we knew it wasn't going to happen, but yeah. it doesn't mean I'm not pissed off about it. Like, that's, yeah, that's a, I think that's I think I, I think that's the good that's a that's the best point right there. Is, because like, listen, the, the Cincinnati, the fact that we knew that Cincinnati had no shot is because of what you said, the way they set this up, the way mm-hmm. that they blocked them off and kept dropping them for having covid related cancellations where they weren't doing that to anyone else. And yep. but but my my issue is that it wasn't a debate that we couldn't have had that conversation about Notre Dame versus Cincinnati for the fourth spot. Yeah. And and and, and the, the fact that the system is designed not to allow us to have that conversation pisses me off. Yeah. I I this is one of those things where it's like in the matrix and I'm just kind of in the goo and I'm I'm good with the goo. I live in the goo. <laughs> but no, I think you're spot on. I think you're you're you hit the nail on the head where I think a lot of folks thought that this is a sport that would be equitable, would be there would be some egalitarian or some sort of a meritocracy isn't the right word. I think meritocracy might be the wrong word actually because so much of it is built on what you've done, what have you done for me, not lately but before. And so that's the rough part of the sport. Um Sunday for me and I'll be full disclosure, did not watch because and we've talked about this on the show before, but it's a television show. And the way that you can stop a television show is by not giving that show ratings. And so I didn't watch. And I'm I'm not going to watch. I, it's This is a press release that they turned into a one-hour event. and No, it's like a four-hour event. Four hours? Yeah. Oh. It was... They they wait two hours to tell you the New Year's six matchups and the full twenty five full top twenty five. I think it was a four hour show. Well, this is the good part. This is. <laughs> do you now see how? Do you life as me is better now? <laughs> <laughs> You're right. It is a press release that they stretch out, but I, I don't know. I mean, so to me, the the I, I didn't have problems with the top four. Because if you follow the rules, the way that they set them up, they were going to pick that top four. Like Notre Dame was clearly more qualified based on the things that they use as qualifiers than Texas Which Santa. constantly change. Which constantly change. And this year it was basically just we like you or not. But top four, fine. The fact that three lost Florida, still ahead of Cincinnati in the final rankings, not fine. Well, that's a and, – uh, and, uh, I've talked about oh, – goodness, I'm stuttering a little bit. But, like, the whole point for me is it's all about reverse engineering, right? Like, this is this is literally – and I've said this a couple times. I'm not, not sure if I've said it when you and I have talked on the Power Hour, but this is – oh, you know the – this is you going to the back of the book to look at the, the answers that are in red. And then you write the answers that are in red. I don't know if you guys had that in your math books, but there was answers that were in red in the back. So you could check yourself when you do your homework. And this is finding the answer. And now you got to do all the work back up to the top. And so part of doing that work is 
well, Florida's still better than this team, so that team couldn't be above them. And A&M is still here, so we have to do that. And it's reverse engineering. It's it's having an answer and then trying to find the solution. And I think it's very um, clear. I think it's – and I'll get to this in my last call, obviously, but I think it's also what the sport has been and will always be. And the quicker you get in bed to it, in bed with it and understand, like I think that that's the part where, where that's the reason why I'm – I'm excited. I made a cheesecake last night, so I'm I'm ready to go. Wow, off season Felder is is fully here. I my, my thing is I get that the system wasn't designed to be fair. I get that college football is always going to be a system where the rich get richer and the have-nots remain have-nots. Like I I absolutely understand that that is the sport, but usually in that reverse engineering process. The justifications make a little bit of sense or, or they, they, they sort of explain it. Like we don't have the fundamental issues that I had this year, yeah. which were that when they reversed it and tried to justify their picks, they didn't have anything to say. Yeah. It's like um, usually they try, yeah. usually they pretend better. That's, that's, I think that, uh, that might be the quote for the, for the entire episode. Usually they pretend better because. It's one of those things. But it's it's hard to pretend, right? When all the every all the evidence is on the side that you're not on, right? When when a team plays more games, a team shows more, a team looks better in their final game, a team looks better in that final week. Okay, now how do we justify this? How do we do it? Like here's like here's this is my reality. Imagine if USC had won. They would have had the same record as Ohio State. Mm-hmm. So what do you do then? They're you lucky. Keep, you you keep them like ten spots behind or whatever they had been doing all along. Right. You're, they're lucky that us that Oregon came out and pl- finally played their A game of the year. But the reality is, it's it's this is a made for, this is a made for TV melodrama, and that's how they make it work. And they find that they know they know where they want to be. They got to figure out how to get there, and then obviously the games are real, and the playing is real, and somebody can throw a wrench in it by losing. And Northwestern almost threw an entire wrench in it for controlling that game. For uh, I mean, I I mean, if we're I don't want to like I don't want to belabor the point, but Ryan Day maybe he's not a genius. Like <laughs> I mean. You got Trey Sermon, and the run game's working, and maybe you're bigger, faster, and stronger. Maybe we should push those guys around, and it took you almost 50 minutes to realize that. That didn't get held against them, though. It's fine. Yeah. Because the committee likes Ohio State, and that's well, that, that's that's what they – I know. That, I know. Well, that's the thing, because I think about this going back from a committee standpoint, going back to 2014, where they told us because Ohio State destroyed Wisconsin – and they were a true conference champion, they get into the playoff above TCU and Baylor. Mm-hmm. Now you're getting me worked up. Because now I'm like, this. you told me this thing this one time, and then in 2016, now you tell me conference championships don't matter because they're the better football team. So yeah, Ohio, Ohio State has been uh, the team that has gotten a lot of these exceptions. And then then the Big Ten Ten tells us you don't have to play. You don't need six games. You can go. 
And now we're changing our COVID protocol to make sure you get your punter back and Chris Olave. Like, this is – it's – I'm not saying they're changing the rules for this. I, but I, I think I think the Big Ten changing some stuff around is different than the committee. Sure. And there's more incentives to do that, to get a team into the playoff, if you're talking about what's best for your conference. But – the committee moving the goalposts for everybody else is a problem. Yeah. That's where if you're going to hold it against USC that they didn't play that many games or that Cincinnati ultimately didn't play as many games because they had some cancellations, but you refuse to hold that against Ohio State and, in mm-hmm. fact, had them in the top four when they only played four games and then have been – crediting them for winning despite being undermanned the last couple, that's the problem. Because we know it. The committee likes Ohio State. When you put them in, when there's only four teams and four games, and you have them as one of the four best teams, that was it. That's all we needed to know. Yeah. That was the only issue they were going to have with Ohio State was, are they going to play enough games? And this is why the storyline heading into last weekend was silly. They were already in the top four. People were like, oh, well, you know, have they done enough? I was like, the committee felt that they did already. Yep. But the issue is that standard was not applied to anybody else. Not at Indiana all. even appeared to have gotten dinged for not playing that many games. They didn't think much of the teams that Indiana beat. But hang on. Ohio State got a lot of credit for beating Indiana. And but beating the in- same teams. The same and beating teams. the same teams. And, and, and Indiana only lost by seven points to the team the committee ranked number three, but that hurt. They didn't get credit for that. They didn't get a New Year's Six Bowl. So again, it's usually they are better at pretending to justify these things, and they didn't do that. And so you have so many different people so mad because you have people who are mad on behalf of the access point for the Mm -hmm. group of five and this idea that, They'll never get a fair chance. And no one is saying that Cincinnati would beat Alabama. But if you had a one versus eight game and Cincinnati was the eight seed and they got blown out by Alabama, I think we'd all feel better about that. At least they had a chance to prove, to to play it out, instead of the committee saying, well, we think this team is better than that one and they would beat them on the field. You could just see it play out. Even if we got to Alabama-Clemson for the millionth time in the championship game, it'd be more interesting to get there a different way if you added around and you included these teams and gave them access to see what they have. Like, we don't have to have these philosophical debates of, do you think Cincinnati could have beaten Florida? You see, could just I, play it out. I'm, I, live in the, I live in the opposite world. I think we're two sides of the same coin. Where for me, the, the, the illusion of expanded access has created this idea that everyone deserves a shot. And the reality is, I mean, we're, look, like, look at the playoff right now. We got two and a half teams, right? Four teams, we have two and a half teams. Two and a half teams. And because we don't even, oh, because Ohio State's only played half a season. So out of four teams, we have two and a half teams. I would love to cut that half off and just let's play let's play two. And it's it's I think it is 
on the, because the other thing for me, Nicole, is imagine, imagine a world where we get Notre Dame and Ohio State in a different bowl game, or we get Notre Dame and Cincinnati in a bowl game, or we get, and people care about that. And I think that's, for me at least, something that's been for the last, what are we going on, six years, seven years, six years of the playoff? That's been the part that's been more frustrating is everything is so geared playoff that so many other things feel like they're falling by the wayside. Obviously, we're having bowl games canceled by the dozens, and then we're seeing teams opt out as well. And and then we're seeing teams – Pat Army's not going to a bowl game this year? Army's they're – they're not going to a bowl game? Army? But a 2-8 and eight South Carolina team Bingo. in the middle of a coaching change transition yeah. is – yeah, it's like all these, all these, like, and I guess this is, and this speaks to, and I, I want to talk about the playoff and the matchups and the whole deal. I know we're going to do that, and we're going to, we're going to keep it quick, but it feels like people don't really like college football. They just like the playoff, and they just like the narrative, and that for me is frustrating because you know this about me. I care about what happens between the chalk, and I want to. I'll, I will watch I'll watch any football game because I want to see what the coach is thinking, how the players are working, who's doing the work, who's doing that. And it seems like with college football, it's not about that. It's about the end result. And, like, for me, I'll get listen, you throw a Colorado game on, I'll watch Sam Neuer get out there and get his job done. He's, who's one of the – Colorado in the last five years has had two of the most – I still don't understand how they're good, but they get the job done quarterbacks between Montez and Neuer. I don't I don't they're not particularly fast. They don't have a particularly strong arm. But I guess when you have LaVisca Chenault uh out there and then you throw in the younger Chenault and then you throw in uh, uh Broussard at the running back spot, you can get the job done. But like this is a like that's what I like about college football. So the end result and I, I guess that's the other part. It's it's part I'm I'm half skeptic because I really do believe this idea that it's a television show. And then the other half for me is I really actually just like football, like like the the nuance of the game. And that's not I, that's I, lost I, on a lot of folks. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I think that the playoff prism, which we've discussed, yeah. is the problem here. It's mm-hmm. that even people who would love the random teams, Pac-12 after dark, all of these things, you just, 
it, staying up for the midnight Hawaii kickoff, all of these things that make college football so wonderfully weird are ignored. Yes. And that's what you're saying. And yeah. it's like, but also, even if you enjoy those parts, you never hear about people enjoying them. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's like, like, it's, there's like, there's like eight of us on, on Twitter at, right. at, at one o'clock in the morning. But, that, like, but that's the part this? that makes, that's the part that makes it so different than like professional sports. And right. instead of celebrating that, it's like, it's not even a guilty pleasure. It's like a secret guilty pleasure because... Yeah. You know, the, these teams are never going to have a chance at the playoff. They're never going to be talked about. I mean, someone was telling me that the Pac-12 was not mentioned the first two hours of the playoff show. Mm-hmm. Yep. They had a season. I mean, they, there was interesting things that happened. There were a unique lot. challenges, sure. But the Oregon win, I mean, there were there was, there were things what that mattered. What a, what, a, what a win. That's the team we thought we were going to see all year. Yes, and, it, and that's it, and that's it's a big deal for Mario Cristobal to yeah. to win a game like that, it's and huge. and we we move on because it has zero impact on the playoff. And the Pac-12 also didn't change their rules to put Washington into the Pac-12 championship game. They well, they even had the weirdest rules with like teams in waiting, yeah. to try to make it up. I mean, I think these are the fundamental issues that this sport faces moving yeah. forward to figure out what it wants to be. And when they went to the playoff, this idea of growing nationally and all these things doesn't happen when you have the same three teams make the playoff 16 times out of the 28 available spots. Yeah. It doesn't a, happen. Yeah. It's. And, and, and then, and then, sorry, I'm just going to got to finish this. No, rant, go, 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 this go. is basically an entire last call episode. <laughs> the best things about this season, the most enjoyable teams from my perspective and storylines and programs taking a step, which is what this sport is about. We're Indiana, Cincinnati, Coastal Carolina. On the on the national scale, like the big steps. Indiana was a national darling because they were fun to watch. They were good on both sides of the ball. Tom Allen is a delight yep. and a national treasure. Mm-hmm. And they can't get a New Year's Six spot. A spotlight spot because they're behind two teams that have three losses in the rankings. And Coastal Carolina can't get a sniff. And Coastal Carolina BYU is one of the best moments of the entire season. That they scheduled it. They played it. It was exciting. They almost brawled. We talked about it. We loved it. And instead, got to see that three-loss Florida team. Got to see that three-loss Iowa State team. And, And by the way, Iowa State had an incredible season. And they're being viewed as a bad guy. Because the committee ranked them ahead of some of these teams. And it's nothing that Iowa State did wrong. Yeah. But it's the system. And so I I just think you have a lot of people frustrated in a lot of different places and a lot of different levels. And you got to figure out what you want this thing to be. And also, how do you fix the fact that we only talk about six teams every single year, and that's it. Well, and that, that, like, if you reach a, you know, if you get nine wins or something, it's a failure. You you reach a New Year's Six bowl, but it's not a playoff bowl. It's a failure. Yeah. No. I listen. I'll, I'll go ahead and slot my last call in here too, because again, we're on we're the same coin, two different sides. I, I, it's not that I like. You have to learn to – I think that there are more people that need to learn to appreciate college football for what it actually is, not for what they want it to be. And I think that's the big thing. 
But I want it to be better. I I think it's great how it is. Like that's and I guess that's the thing. Like But but I think that the playoff prism is hurting it. I think it's hurting it as well. I I 100%. That's why I was talking about we only have we have two and a half teams that are going to the playoff. Right? right. Like if if you could if you could create some sort of amalgamation of Ohio State's roster and Notre Dame's roster, then we'd have three teams. But you can't do that. No, I know. I just think that there's ways to, and again, it's not like fi- fundamentally fixing a sport and making it more equal, but it's a Band-Aid that at least would do something if you go to eight, if you go to 16, if there's more access, if there's more, if there's guaranteed spots for conference champions, then every conference race matters. The Pac-12 championship matters. Yeah. You know, like I, I think... It engages more people. There's more ideas of success. I, I don't know. I, I think well, it's weird because you doubled the access from the BCS, but it made it more obvious when you didn't make it. I think you're spot on with that. And also, I think that what you just said about the image or the view of success is incredibly critical to this sport because – Everyone only views success through, as you mentioned, the playoff prism. And to me, and I understand that I'm in the minority compared to other people. Success for me is what's a good year for us. Success for me is are we getting better? And maybe this is the old player coming out. Maybe this is the old, like, I'm just, maybe this is just me being old in general. But success... I don't need – I don't – like, success could be making the Rose Bowl. Success could be we got to go to a bowl game. And I'll – full disclosure, in four years at UNC, we went to one bowl game. And this was pre-pandemic, so we, we had to at least win six games. And that was what success looked like for us. We were never going to win a championship. We were never going to go to a, a, a New Year's Six Bowl. We were never going to go to – any of those games so success for us was just let's just win a little bit I mean I I, 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 I don't know if that exists though I mean I, mean, I think it exists on in the teams in the programs right but outside of that it just doesn't feel like I don't know it, 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 it is coupled with the fact that coaches get such short leashes and all of this com- this all of this compounds the problem like this is it's a this is this is why I loved Indiana. Yeah. I did a story on them before the season talking to Indiana fans about what, and they said, we know we're never going to win national championships. Our expectations are so low that we can only be happy. We can only be pleasantly surprised because we expect painful losses. We expect, you know, to never beat Michigans in the world. To almost get there, but not quite. Yes. And nobody else has that perspective. And And I think that's... As a fan base, at least. And that's, to me, I think that's part of the problem. From the playoff prism, the whole deal. Like, I, this is a college football is a regional sport that has gone, tried to go national, and it's, it like, I don't know. I was talking to somebody the other day, Nicole, and I was, I, I was talking to my dad, and my dad growing up, my dad grew up, he spent some time in Missouri, he spent some time in Georgia, and he spent some time in North Carolina, and you watch the teams that are around you, right? In college football, you got, and then also the Notre Dame game, which is why they're a 
they have a national fan base. But you watch your local teams, and guess what? You don't know any. My dad didn't know anything about Oregon football growing up. Maybe he got to see USC when they played Notre Dame, and if they had a big game on ABC or whatever. But you didn't watch those games until you got to the bowl games, and now you got these creative matchups. And this isn't me pining for days past. This is me explaining that it's a sport that's built, that's structured. So think about this. All the people that run college football came up through that power structure, right? They all came up through through the Cotton Bowl being when the SEC took on the Big 12, and that was all it was. And the Sugar Bowl is this, and the Orange Bowl is – and, like, like, I remember the CarQuest Bowl back in the day where – UNC got to take on whoever and, like, the Gator Bowl and the same thing and all this stuff. And it's a sport built on that foundation. It's a sport that is built on that foundation. It is a sport that has – you can love your local team as much as you want, but there are probably ten teams that actually matter to the sport. And then after that, it's a good year or a bad year, but at the end of the day, those are the ones that people flock to the television to watch. Those are the ones that do numbers. Those are the ones that do money. And it's a sport where the power brokers, there are six guys in that room that make decisions for this sport. The Big 12, the Big 10, the SEC, the ACC, the Pac-12, and Notre Dame. And that's who makes the decisions for the sport. And I'm not saying that it's right, but I'm saying that that's the way that it has worked and will continue to work. Because what you're asking for is for them to relinquish power. And I don't know that they're going to do that ever. It's really rough to think about. And everyone talks about, like, when, when we get to the off the field, because we just had signing day this last week, right? Oh, who was at the top of signing day? Oh, a terrible LSU team? <laughs> wow, how? How did they do that? Because... They have the money and the resources and the facilities, and they have the guys. And unless we're talking about, and this is where I get into it, because you either get comfortable with what's actually going on, or you're asking for a massive redistribution of things to make it work. And they tried that redistribution with scholarship limits. Because there was a time when Walt Harris or Bear Bryant, they could sign a hundred guys. And they just signed guys so that the other school couldn't get guys. So they can't do that anymore. So what do we do? Now we have a 35-person administrative staff that's doing all the extra work. You'll never be able to hire that Boise State. You'll never be able to hire that Cincinnati. You'll never be able to hire that Coastal Carolina. And just when your guys feel like they're doing great, they're going to come and take those guys and put them on their team. Marcus Freeman, guess what? I don't think you're going to be at Cincinnati that much longer, my man. Somebody's going to hire you, either as a defensive coordinator at at um, Florida or as a head coach somewhere else. So it it there's so many levels to this, and it it's it's it, it literally you know, the analogy that I have, Nicole, is this is investing in Apple in like what the late '80s. Mm-hmm. You got dumb money. Your money's dumb. It's stupid money. Because you invested in a thing that other people were like, well, who cares about that? I'm trying to buy 
I'm, I just want to make my things work. And it's the same thing. Alabama invested in football in the early – and they invested in football early. And the only teams that we've seen with a massive uptick, Oregon – I don't even know if Clemson counts because Clemson invested I, in football early too. Yeah, but I think I think Clemson counts as like a. But again, the, you can see where the money goes, yeah. right? It goes to the coaches' salaries and the facilities. Yep. Clemson's slide, I think, is representative of this. Yeah. What you're describing, and Oregon building a new football facility every other year. Yeah. That's where. That's what you have to do to be at that level. I mean, and I we think- can see. And you see how easy it is to fall off that level, too. Yeah, it's. I was going to say Florida State, and that's exactly – like, literally, you I, you beat me to it. Florida State, how easy it is to just drive a car off a cliff. But Florida State also wasn't an early investor. They were a mid-range investor because it was an was it all-girls school that got – added boys, got football. Hey, we're good now because we have access to all the players. Now, this is what it goes back to college football being a regional sport – now all the games are on television. So everybody realizes there are good players in Florida. So what do we have to do? We gotta go to Florida and get players. And yep. when Wisconsin and Iowa and Michigan and Ohio State and these schools are in your backyard trying to recruit kids that you're trying to recruit, you better have the money. And Florida State doesn't have the money. They don't have Florida money. And that's a problem. But that's like the sport has so, there are magnitudes and there are levels, and that's the part for me that's frustrating and oh my god we we've okay i don't i i'm done i'm done let's talk about these two games that we have coming up the semifinals I'm we done. have we, we have time to talk about the games this okay. is i think the sport is facing a reckoning with this stuff i think yeah. it is i think it is important to to discuss i think that you have so many different levels to it as we've just been describing like literally the history of the sport and you have so many things coming in 2021 with the transfer rule change with NIL and the fact that players are going to be able to be compensated for their, their, their talents and their likeness and their, you know, there, there's so many things that are shifting the foundation of these things that you need to know who you are and what you want to be. And I, I think like the fact that nobody was happy on selection Sunday is an issue. The fact like Dabo Swinney is not happy that Ohio State is in the playoff, right. which adds something to the game. I'm, I'm genuinely excited about the pettiness that is happening with this game between the Ryan Day leaked audio and Dabo's coach's poll vote, which, by the way, was consistent with everything he was saying publicly, that you should play games. Yep. But nobody's happy. No. That's the thing. Like, nobody's happy. And, and it's good for us leading into that game. Because they, it seems to be like it's kind of like a non-conference rivalry now. Like it feels like there's something yeah. there, but but nobody's happy in the system. And and I think that you know Notre Dame fans are not happy. Someone sent me um, the the uh, someone made a meme of the scene in Love Actually where it's like, okay, Dad, let's go get the 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 shit kicked out of us by Love, and it was like, okay, Dad. Let's go get the shit kicked out of us by Alabama. Like, yeah. let's go. Like, you know, nobody is like really entering this playoff unless you're an Alabama or a Clemson fan. Like, super thrilled. Maybe Ohio State fans are because they got what they wanted. They they played enough games to get included in this thing. But there's not a lot of happy people right now, and and I think that that is also a hallmark of college football. It's a lot of angry fan bases, a lot of people who complain. 
But I, I think the, the fundamental issues that we're talking about are the issues with the sport right now. And I think even if we get, let's hope these semifinals are close. They may not be. There, that has been an issue with the playoff as well. Another issue, another layer to this. Um, you know, we may have a, an amazing championship game. It appears, if it is Alabama-Clemson, that those two teams are both firing on all cylinders. Could be a great game. I just don't know if that offsets all of this other stuff, which I think is going to be the conversation coming out of this season. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Yeah, uh, no, I think you're you're spot on. And the other part for me is, hey, Georgia, maybe you put JT Daniels in a little bit earlier. Now we got something, baby. Now we're- oh, that was another that was another fun thing that the committee did. They um, retroactively tried to say that Georgia found something in JT Daniels, but they already had them in the top ten before he took over. So that was also really funny. Yeah, it's it's um, <laughs> I, like I'm I'm in for a massive overhaul of the sport, or I'm fine with how it is. I just I'm I'm not here to complain about it because. It is. It's this sport is college football's being college football. Oh wow! Of course. So I don't know. I I, I want to get into these games. So I want to get your thoughts yeah, on. Yeah. No. Let's let's go. What's what's most interesting to you? Ah. Uh, oof. You know what? Let's not go with what's the most interesting. Let's go with what's okay. going to be the most annoying. Bama and Notre Dame and people just immediately calling back to 2012. That is already happening. Yeah. It's. I think this is a better Notre Dame team than then, but the, they do have a very similar problem, and they are not explosive down the field. And that's that's a real issue. Like, the reality is, and I think I've workshopped this on the Power Hour, I've workshopped it on College Sports Now, but a touchdown is just a play. And we saw that in the first quarter against Clemson. They had two red zone drives, three points, and it took a lot of work and a lot of energy, and they were on script. Those are your scripted plays. So you work on those things. That's rehearsal. Like if anybody's into acting or anything, that's your, that's a full rehearsal where you know where you're going to be and where you know what they're going to do, and they haven't adjusted yet on defense, and they only got three points out of two drives inside the Clemson 20. And then Clemson comes out, one play, bang, bang. Well, and remember when Alabama was playing – Florida and Florida scores and everyone's like you gave them too much time before halftime you have a minute on the clock oops touchdown yeah it takes two seconds and when you're playing these offenses with Trevor Lawrence and Mac Jones and the weapons that they have you you, you can't put those guys in the same sentence though no but I'm saying it's more Devontae Smith and Najee and you you know you know we we can just we can discuss some more of this after the Heisman ballot um, are allowed to be made public, sure. but the, it's the quick strike thing, and yeah. that, and you're absolutely right that that is an issue for Notre Dame because even if the defense provides resistance, even if Ian Book plays well, it's not that they're not built the same way, right. and Ohio State is built that way. Like the three other teams are built that way. Yep, I think you're spot on. I, I it, 
A touchdown is a play. A touchdown, it takes seven seconds, eight seconds to score a touchdown for Clemson, Alabama, and for Ohio State, especially if they get if, if Olave is ready to rock and roll. They, it takes eight seconds to score a touchdown versus four minutes, versus running, versus doing all this extra work. And so that, to me, is the big thing with, with Bama and Notre Dame, which is why I think people are going to draw the parallel to the 2012 game. But I do think it's different. I do think that uh, Adi um, – that a day, uh, Ogundinji. What, what did I say? Is it Ogundinji? Ogundinji? Ogundinji. Adi Ogundinji. I think that he is a difference maker on the defensive line. I think Bo Bauer is a defense is a game changer, a, a, a game changer at the uh, linebacker level. And I think that Kyle Hamilton is someone who can really play. The problem for for them though is everybody's great going towards the line. I don't know how much I trust them going away from the line, and that's talking about vertical threats. So, and I know we're going to do another one of these before they play, but like, I am—that's the thing for me that holds up. And on the Bama, like, what do we have to talk about with Alabama, man? Like, I—I I mean, didn't could Najee Harris have looked better than ever? And his—he's so unbothered by the defense. I absolutely love him. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. I don't. I don't think we. Uh, not. Not right now. We don't need to spend any time yeah. on Alabama. I mean, this is the best team in college football, yeah. and uh, I think I am much more, much more interested in the other semifinal. Again, I, I kind of laid this out. It, it's clear that there's at least some. It like if it's not bad blood, it's like there's not great animus. blood. There's animus. There, yeah. There's, there, animus. there's there's something there, you know, and, and the way that last season ended for Ohio State and, and the controversial calls and the way that they lost, like there's a lot there. And also evaluating how those two teams are different with the personnel that they had this year. Like that is interesting to me. And I feel like with Ohio State, because they hadn't they, they've only played half the season. I don't think we know what their ceiling is. I think that we haven't seen their best game. So there is potential for this to be. A great game. I don't feel the same way about the other game. I yeah no I totally agree. So let's we'll talk we'll talk we'll talk Clemson Ohio State. Like for me, I think Alabama's been the best team, but Trevor Lawrence is the best player. I think the gap between and yes, I don't only I don't, we shouldn't be doing this now because we should be talking about Clemson Ohio State, not Clemson Alabama. They have to play the game. We we we'll get there eventually. I think that's why they play the games. Yada yada yada. Do the lip service. So Clemson, Ohio State, the thing that intrigues me the most about Clemson and Ohio State, or, or there's a couple things, but one is the Fields versus Lawrence because they came out of high school together. They're both from Georgia. Um, they were 1-2 in recruiting ranking, and, and Fields has always been trying to prove that he's better, that he's a better player, and Lawrence feels like the clear number one in the NFL draft. And I Honestly, like watching them play, there's it, there's a massive separation. And I was a Fields guy, and I admit this: I was a Fields guy coming out because I wasn't sure what Trevor Lawrence was gonna, how he was gonna fit into that locker room at George at Clemson. But I knew Fields would be a guy that everybody rallied around at Penn State originally, and then Georgia, and then they did the same thing at Ohio State. But Trevor Lawrence has really surprised me. And and the other thing with Trevor Lawrence, and, and I noticed this in the game against Notre Dame. He is a giant. Like, full scale, he's a humongous person. Like, he could stand next to LeBron James and not look small. And it's – he also is a game changer, though. And we talked about this before, how little he looks to the sidelines and the way that he gets his team set up. And 
going into the game against Notre Dame, I thought there were two things that people didn't consider. They didn't con- they they considered that Trevor Lawrence was was out, so they thought that well they won't be as good without Trevor Lawrence. And here's the reality. I I here's the reality. The big thing that Trevor Lawrence did for Clemson was open up the run game. And I I'm curious to see what that looks like against Ohio State. We saw Ohio State be susceptible some big to some big plays down the field. We saw them be like I like Sean Wade. I think he's a really good individual. I think they have really good individual pieces in their secondary, but I don't know that they're a cohesive unit. Although I will say this, Proctor played a hell, a hell of a game. So we'll see what happens. Um, I just I don't know that they, that they can stop the explosive plays because you can play great for 70 plays, but you give up eight, eight big ones and all of a sudden yeah. you got touchdowns. So. What are you looking forward to the most in this game? And then we can uh, we can wrap because we already did our last calls. Then we can get out of here. That's true. Our basically the first half hour of this podcast <laughs> was a giant last call. Um, I, I think that I am interested in seeing those tweaks with, with the Clemson offense. And this is something that I've been talking to Grace Rayner, our Clemson beat writer, about. It, they've been so much more intentional with Travis Etienne in the passing game this year. And I think – also, obviously, you're breaking in new offensive linemen that were not in this game last year, but also the passing game is different in the sense, like, yeah, Trevor is better. I I, I love Trevor Lawrence. But you don't have, like, T. Higgins and Justin Ross are, Big like, guys. 50-50 guys. They're basketball players yeah. playing football. And you don't have that, and that hasn't been an issue, but that was an important piece of this offense the last few years that you could just throw the ball up and it's 50-50 ball, and these guys are going to get it. Yeah. They're freaks. And that's not part of the passing game in right. the same way this year. So I, I'm fascinated in things like that. Um, but I think it's going to be great. Next week we will do a deeper dive on the two semifinals. Um, but really this 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 episode is a last call because you know what? We made it through the regular season. We are yeah. cheersing to that. I don't think if you had said that to either of us back in June oh, that God. you would have gotten this many games in, that we would get to a playoff, actually crown a champion this year. I don't know if we knew that that was going to happen. So – We've ranted, but we're going to also cheers to that, that we made it. We got a season in, in the weirdest of years, the most unpredictable of years. Um, it was disjointed. It was hard. Yes. We have no, no, I, I, again, I've never faulted anyone who's opted out of a bowl game of the season because this is hard. Yeah. But we got through the regular season. We crowned conference champions. We are going to crown a national champion. And I just want to take a minute. To celebrate that because it's it's an achievement in in a year that was really really challenging this is what everyone sacrificed for these players sacrificed so much coaches lived away from their families in certain cases and we got it in and so for as frustrated as we are about the system and for you know as as much as you know i'm going to go to bat for the indianas and the cincinnati's and the coastals of the world that there was a season and we got to have these arguments is is a treat in itself. So I, I think we wrap it there. Next week we will do a lot more previewing the semifinals and some of the other um, exciting bowl matchups because I do think some of the best games are maybe going to be in the New Year's Six or even just outside of it. Um, so let's wrap here. Andy Staples will be back tomorrow. Ari Wasserman and he will do something crazy as usual as they do on this feed. Um with Andy and friends on Friday. We will see you next Tuesday on Power Hour again for more bowl season, semifinals, everything you could possibly want next week on Power Hour. For Michael Felder, I'm Nicole Auerbach, and thanks for listening. (laughs) 